Uh, all right, let's go ahead and, and bring Lowell on, and uh, yeah. Let's do it. Another f***ing segue. Then, uh, uh, yeah. I, God damn it, I hate these. I, we're never... I know. Uh, so yeah, let's bring on Soul. Soul. That's, that's a fish. <laughs> that's, that's a country, too. That's, that's true. Uh, let's bring on Lowell. <laughs> that was way better. <laughs> why, don't we, why don't we just remotely get Steve to bring on Lowell? Yeah, maybe Steve would like to do it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he pre-recorded. Lowell! <laughs> Lowell! Hey, Lowell! Lowell! <laughs> I'm not here. <laughs> This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Flurry, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. What? Hello? <laughs> what are you We're on the same wavelength. Woohoo! I'm not here. Banter. banter. <laughs> <laughs> we can't just record it. Yeah. Pre-recorded, pre-recorded banter banter from Steve, who's not here. Now you can do, do over. Now I got to do that over again. Thanks a lot. Hey, and that was a, such a perfect one too. It was a perfect amount of energy. It sounded really professional, and now you guys, you're making me do it over again. It's do no over. wonder. It's no wonder no one rates us five stars on iTunes. Are you done your ranting? Yes. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. I'm still not here. Banter, banter. <laughs> My name is Rob Mino. Joining me today, Ryan Flurry. Howdy. That's it. That's it. Just the two of us. Just I'm the not two here. of us. <laughs> Steve's not here. Steve's not here, man. <laughs> I don't know. Rob, are you hearing voices? No. I think it's your I think it's your your uh, Google Home. Oh, it could be. Set getting set off. Maybe. It's Maybe. the new Steve voice of the Google <laughs> Home that you can download from Google now. That would be great. You know what? That's what I would like. Yep. Hopefully in the future that you could actually just voice sample, like get enough voice samples of yourself and actually have yourself as, or somebody you like mm-hmm. as uh I'm sure your, somebody's your working on that. Assistant. That would be pretty cool. Or Darth Vader. <laughs> now that would be cool. I can have Darth Vader as my Google go home voice. No, you'd be better suited for Jar Jar Binks. No, I wouldn't. You take that back. <laughs> Won't take it's it back. true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how are you, sir? I'm fantastic. How about yourself? Mm, I am good. I'm good. good. I, how are you, are you enjoying the summer weather? Mm, there's been some really nice days. Yeah, it's kind of. I, it's I, a little sketchy still, but it's coming. Uh, you, uh, you know what? I love this. This type of weather is perfect. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's just kind of right. It's the Goldilocks zone. There you go. Uh, yeah. Great. Um, hey. Hey. Who are we don't, talking to today? I was going to say, don't you want to <laughs> ask me something? <laughs> uh, you know what? Today, it's a it's a big it's a big day. It's a big show. Uh, we're talking to Mr. Lowell Taylor, who, uh, as you know, Ryan. I do know. Because you, uh, you watch the show. But uh, he and his wife uh, were on a little show called The Amazing Race Canada. Woohoo! Uh, what season were they in? Was it was this just recently, or you don't know? I don't remember. I have to look at the website again. <clears throat> I thought you watched it. I did, but it was a couple of years ago. Okay, well that's all you had to say. Oh, jeez! You asked me what season it was. Well, I don't know. Seven. Just make up a number. Who cares? <laughs> make up a number. Eight. <laughs> Twenty-eight. Season, season eight of. No, they they were uh, yeah they and uh, did they win? No, no, they didn't. Okay. Well, then what are we talking to this loser for? <laughs> <laughs> he booked me a winner, Ryan. <laughs> what are you talking to this guy? Uh, look at his oh, website. He kidding. is quite the winner. No, yeah, I know. 
yeah. completely kid. Well, uh, this it, it, amazing, amazing fellow. I, I'm really looking forward to talking to him busy uh, guy. because not only did they uh, they they did the amazing race, uh, they also uh, him and his wife have three, four kids, I think. Uh, and he's also training to be a Paralympic uh, cycler. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, he's an actor doing a show on AMI. Uh, that's right. I forgot he's about a that. Very busy guy. And uh, yeah, and all uh, having now. What's his eye condition? Do you know? I think it was retinitis pigmentosus. RP. Yeah. RP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, to talking with him. I believe Steve, didn't Steve run into him recently? At Steve a did run into him, and that's how we got his contact information. Steve was at the Canadian Vision Teachers Conference in Alberta and met up with Lowell. Oh, mm-hmm. there you go. Look at Steve go. I know, making connections, schmoozing. Guy's such schmoozing. a hard worker. Well, it's all his cooking and alcohol you know, that he provides at these parties. It's Sudoku, He's the hostess with the most. Sudoku skills Sudoku. Really, really paying off. <laughs> I hear he's good at Scrabble, too. Oh, is that right? That's right here. Hmm, interesting. I've, I don't know. I've heard a lot of rumors about Steve, to be honest with you. I don't know if we should get into them now, but... Yeah, he... I don't know. He might have the room bugged. He might. He might. I'm sure we should probably get back to him if we start really, really shit-talking. So we should, should probably just stop and, and get into the Lowell interview. Then. All right. That's probably safe. How I'll are you, Lowell? Enter on that. Good. Awesome. Good. Thank you so much for joining us. I wasn't sure if this was a video or not, so... No, oh. no video. Unless you want us, we can turn the camera on. No, I, I, I <laughs> trust me, you don't want that. <laughs> I didn't need to do my makeup today. That's right. <laughs> yep. So in the room with me, I'm Ryan. And in the hey, room Ryan. with me is Rob Minot. Hello there. Hi, Rob. And we usually have Steve Barkley, who you met in Edmonton, but he bailed on us this morning. Yeah, he had enough of me. Well, hey, uh, thanks so much for, uh, for, for joining in and, and chatting with us for a bit. Um, why don't we jump right in and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself? Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm Lowell Taylor, and I'm visually impaired with retinitis pigmentosa. So I've been losing my vision ever since I was a little boy and currently have about 15 degrees of central vision and completely blind and low light. Um, it got really bad at about 24. That's when the doctors took away my license and kind of hit a, a downward spiral at that time, but found sport. And now I race bikes. I race a tandem bike for Cycling Canada trying to get to the Paralympic Games. And my wife and I were on the Amazing Race Canada two years ago. So the first visually impaired racer in the franchise history. And I watched most of that. Woohoo! Yay! Looking forward to the new season. It's good times. Yeah, the teams are released this week. It's going to be exciting. Oh, good. Excellent. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about the Amazing Race for a few minutes. Sorry, Rob, I'm going to hijack you here. Hijack away. (laughs) So being the first visually impaired contestant on the Amazing Race, what were some of the biggest challenges you had to face? Yeah, going into it, we're kind of going back to the Benjamin Franklin quote is, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. But we didn't know how to plan to be on the race. (laughs) Um, they just tell you what you can't bring, not what you should bring or can bring. So we got a whole bunch of extra stuff, 10 extra pounds of visual aids to just be ready for any of those conditions. So low light was going to be one of the biggest challenges. So we got the brightest headlamps a person could buy with all the charging for anywhere we'd go around the world. And we got special permission to get a screen reader. We couldn't have anything like an iPad or anything connected device, but, um, we did buy a, a magnifier digital screen reader so I could read if I was on my own without Julie. Mm-hmm. And lots of different ends for my cane, reflective gear, a dog leash that I could hold on to when we were running down roads. I could just hold on to my wife. She kept me on tightly. So we had to just try to prepare for all the different scenarios that we might need um, to go through. And then the biggest challenge are the roadblocks and roadblocks are challenges that only one person can complete without any help from their partner. Right. So that would mean if it was something visual that I could be eliminated right away. If it was something that my vision would stop me from. So a few strategies, one would be, we tried to pick, um, we tried to predict as much as we could, what that challenge would be, anything heights or strength related, I would take. And then we also tried to play the social game a lot and make good friends. And if, so then if somebody else, another teammate could maybe help if we got into one of those situations. Right. Was there one, 
how do I word this? Was there one location or challenge that, well, except the one that beat you guys, <laughs> was was one of the the hardest or trickiest to to overcome? Yeah, that elimination day, we made it seven out of 11 legs. And that seventh day in Hamilton, Ontario, um, that was, oh, no, Kingston, actually. Kingston is where we got eliminated. There were a few different challenging ones. So the only one we had to give up on was a bubble soccer challenge. So we had to get inside these big bubbles and wear them like suits and then roll around and pass each other balls and jump over and just kind of like an obstacle course. And I couldn't see anything right. out of it. So we had to go strictly by hearing, but it was all timed. So hmm. we were losing time. So we we switched tasks, finding out later that we were two minutes away from just being pushed through and we would have got second place that day. So it was quite devastating. Wow. But we switched over to a sailboat task and we had to rig a sailboat, which was quite visual as well. We had to just look at the other sailboat and try wow. to figure out what to do. And that was difficult um, to try to, to see that without much vision and sail it. And then I got knocked out of the boat. It was good times. Made <laughs> <laughs> for good TV. The, the boom moment or yeah. swung across and whacked me out. Um, and then after that one, the same day, we had to find a clue hidden in a cage in the Kingston Penitentiary. And there were hundreds, like thousands, well, I don't know how many hundreds. We went in 250 cells trying to look for them, but they were all dark and I couldn't see. Right. So that, that was pretty much the whole day of vision tasks, which ended us being eliminated. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Rob Rob wasn't familiar with the Amazing Race, so I was trying to explain to him kind of how it is and what it is before the show started. And, you know, you just describing some of these challenges is, is way more descriptive than anything I told yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> this show sounds bonkers. It's incredible, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing. Like, it's, it's an adrenaline junkie, travel junkie's um, dream. It was my dream to do something like this, travel around the world for a free vacation. And we got to... Um, bungee jump off the Skytram in Jasper, which is amazing. I got to rappel down the Calgary Tower. <laughs> we went to <laughs> Vietnam and had to the language barrier in 50 degree heat and people passing <laughs> out. And our, for the first time in Amazing Race history, they they paused the race because our our crew got dehydrated and had to go to the hospital. Right. Um, it's just it's everything everything epic cold epic heat um, heights. My wife flew a, a vintage World War II aircraft. What? It's a yeah. great show, Rob. You got to yeah, check it out. Very cool. <laughs> How, what? <laughs> what? They're just like, here, you have to plot Here, I'm afraid you're going to have to fly a Spitfire uh, across the English Channel. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they had a, a pilot who took off and landed, but she had to do one of the maneuvers, which is keep oh, it at a certain wow. elevation and do a 360 turn within well, a certain amount of time. Wait a minute. Did she have any flying experience? Is that safe? Uh, what if I think if there's think a pilot take in there over, yeah, yeah, there's a pilot. Okay, but all right, all right, but still, like that sounds bonkers to me. Wow, that's, that's great. Yeah, it's yep. all a race, so it's pretty. And the hardest part actually is the navigating. The tasks are all doable. They make it doable. They're challenging, but the the navigating, you don't have a GPS. And I've been living with a GPS for 15 years now. So to to go completely back to maps and right. And you don't know where you are or really where you're going in a new language or a new city. You're trusting cab drivers or if you're driving yourself to navigate. So that the navigating was really hard. And I had to sit in the back. The cameraman sits in the front and the sound man sits in the back beside me. And then we cruise around. But yeah, my wife had to do all the navigating, all the driving, all the reading. So she worked harder than anybody else wow. on the race because she had to be the eyes for two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's incredible. And that's really part of our story is that teamwork and communication and partnership that alone we can do okay, but together we can do these amazing things. Now, was there an audition portion of, of getting on the show? Like how, how did, how did that work? How did they end up picking you and did they make any sort of um, adjustments to, to any of the challenges or were they, you're just kind of thrown to the wolves? Yes, we were thrown to the wolves. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yet there was an audition process and we knew we'd either be kind of a first pick or, or not at all. And we have a, a unique story and it's kind of the, the Paralympic side, the athletic side, as well as I have some pretty bad dad humor. So that, that airs quite well. So we put together an application video and they get 30,000 applications 
and they sort through those applications and we made it through each of the stages and went for in-person interviews and then they do psychological tests and as a psychologist i cheated (laughs) (laughs) excellent and then uh yeah we just kept going through the process and to have the the couple the communication the the bad jokes and the the blind thing it, it worked out so we got cast and they they said they would make no concessions for us mm-hmm. that the race is the race and i think they probably designed tasks that wouldn't be completely unreasonable and in some years there'd be a task where one member has to do a task while the other person has to drive to the other location which right. in, in that case would have made us eliminated at that just by the design of that task right. so i think they they made it so it wouldn't be explicitly i could not do it completely but they said they wouldn't change any tasks and like if there was a a visually one and i chose it and i couldn't do it then we would we would be eliminated so mm-hmm. no concessions made and we had no idea what was coming at us you rip open the clue and says you're going to Vietnam. You have to figure out how to get there. <laughs> well, you got your, your $200 what? Visa MasterCard debit card, oh, whatever, get right? So. <laughs> Great. Yeah, so so no concessions. But we, and, and at some points, we think they they wanted to make sure we didn't get any help. Sure. Like, just because they, they were saying that they wouldn't help us. And, and we were kind of hoping maybe the sound people or the camera people, but... Um, it's quite clear in there that if they help you, they can get fired. Right. Um, and you're sure. not allowed to ask them for help. And we we did get help from other teammates, though, sure. from other or other teams on the race at certain times, which was helpful. Now, did you did you get close with any of the other teams? We did. Yeah. There's. It's man. It's it's like summer camp on uh, <laughs> on, <laughs> on some kind of drug. I don't know what that was on adrenaline. It you get to know people very well, but it's in this weird world. They sequester you for five days before we race. So we show up to Toronto. We're sequestered in a hotel room with no TV, no internet, no phone, no radio, no books. So your life just becomes about the race and you can't get let out without a handler. And you're around the other racers for a period of time in training, but you can't talk to them. Hmm. So you're speculating and making up stories about everybody else. (laughs) The moment they say go, then you can start talking to them once it's on camera. Right. So up in Yellowknife where we started and you get to know people and get everybody's stories. And and then quickly you're doing tasks, but you're also competing. So it's this weird, you want to help, but you don't want to help too much. And you want to be friendly, but you don't (laughs) want to be too friendly. And it's it's fun. But we, we have made lifelong connections with many and we still communicate through social media and when we're in the each other's areas we try to connect and then we've met up with a lot of other seasons it's a big amazing race family and some of our main friends now are hell johnson and john mcleod from body break right they were on season one and they've become mentors for us help us launch into motivational speaking and yeah when we go to toronto for racing we've stayed at their place that's pretty pretty neat to, nice. to make these big new friends now now how long did the race take i mean obviously it's 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 broken up over an entire season when it's when it's aired but how long was the process for you guys it was five weeks so we have a week of sequester and pre-race and then the race itself is four weeks with just a a quick wrap-up at the end and we are away and away from our family for that entire time so four weeks of that without being able to talk to our kids Wow. Which is probably the hardest part for my wife. Sure. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was tough, but I think sure. that it took a different toll on my wife to, yep. to not be able to talk to the kids. So complete sequester. The outside world is kind of cut off from us and life kept going. Mother's Day happened during that time. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah. it was rough. Wow. Well, good on you for competing. Now, what was what was kind of the, the, the fallout for you guys from the show? Like what? What did you sort of what, what were you able to take from from your appearance on the show and transform it into something in in your your own personal life? Mm-hmm, great question, and that's really what Hal said. He when we met with him during our elimination time at finale, <clears throat> Hal Johnson said, "You have an hourglass, and there's only a certain amount of sand the Amazing Race has given you, and you have to use it, or it runs out. You don't have to, but if you want to." And he wanted to help us launch into something. So he helped us with speaking. And we started getting a lot of requests to speak because of our 
our positivity message and hope and patience and teamwork. So we spoke at a lot of schools and a lot of community events, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and doing keynote speeches. And one of those that we did was the Adapted to Physical Activity Symposium at Mount Royal in Calgary. And during that time, Accessible Media Incorporated, AMI-TV, mm-hmm. was there, and they did a short documentary for their Inside documentary series. And yeah, AMI Inside. They did uh, the short story on us, and we clicked and we decided it would be fun to do something bigger. They asked me what my dream would be, and I, I want stories, the stories of people who overcome, the stories of those of us with other abilities or disabilities, how, how that happened, for one. So many people in sport, it's been a, a, an accident or something happened, or what it took, right. what developed that resilience to get through their difficult times and adapt and succeed at some really epic levels. So I thought adding stories and they, they pitched the show and it has a Paralympic spin. And so we were on season one of Mindset Go on AMI-TV as the hosts. We're the lead health and fitness coaches, mm-hmm. which focus on eight individuals trying to make positive health choices. And we connect them all with a Paralympian to give them, give them some motivation and inspiration through the process. And we just got back from Vancouver starting to film season two. Oh, no way. Yeah, we should actually try to hook up with you while you were here because I think you were here last week. So, Ryan, where'd he go, Ryan? <laughs> we're, we're, we'll be back. That was the beginning, and we're going to go back for about uh, 16 days in August and film the, the f- final part of season two. Excellent. Well, we should get you in, get you in the guitar dungeon. Join us nice. for the show. So, were, were you always uh, the athletic type? No, I was actually the. Flat. I was the fat, blind, stinky, lonely kid as a child. Um, and that's part of our story as well. As a child, I was losing my vision. So I had those big, thick glasses and right. um, couldn't see very much. So couldn't play the team sports and lived out on a farm and wasn't very athletic. And uh, when I was a child, I was three years old, I was run over by a car yeah. and it pinched a nerve in my stomach and leading to a lot of crappy moments during childhood. And um, so I couldn't, I didn't know when I had to go to the bathroom or not. So that got remedied, but as a child, it led to some, yeah, a lot of bullying and a lot of feeling like the other and outsider. Mm. And I didn't find fitness until I call it my quarter life crisis. I was 24. I'd lost my license, mm-hmm. broke up with my girlfriend, Julie, who we're back together now. The story ends well, but at the time everything was falling apart and I found triathlon and it just, stole my heart so swim bike run and doing that visually impaired and i end up kind of competing in triathlon winning some some good races and finding a space finding meaning and purpose and health and then i switched over to cycling which is my strongest and there's more a, a option to get to the paralympics so that's been more recent in my life just the last uh, 10 years of sports and then the last kind of four years of chasing this dream to get to the paralympics so now I'm assuming that a lot of this stuff is is worked into a lot of a lot of the motivational speaking, right? That's it, that's the the sort of the message that you sort of bring to people. Yeah, our our motivational speaking is the story. So it's the story of life before the Amazing Race and my difficulty going blind, adjusting to that. The the voice of the bully that came from outside, but also I internalized mm-hmm. and then the supports and the resources that have helped get me through and what sport has done in my life. And then we, we talk about the amazing race and lessons learned and um, kind of that process and then the next step. And the, the neat thing about the story is that every time we give it, it ad- adapts and changes because as of this year, I was invited onto cycling Canada's next gen program. And as of last week, I was invited to compete in a uh, world cup in Holland july so i'm going off to holland my first european race first world cup so the story is developing and it's it's happening as we speak it which is pretty fun nice yeah i mean it seems to me that there's you know there's so much to unpack there um you know and and any person i feel like any one of those elements you could really really build you know a motivational message behind like even somebody who was didn't even have say the vision loss and just went from the, you know, just from an athletic point of view, that's, that could be a motivational story right there. 
but you know you're also you've also got layered on top of that you've got the vision loss you've got you know uh discovering um you know triathlon um you know do you find that it's almost there there's just so much there to sort of to 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 use as motivational speaking that you know you kind of have to pick one element yeah i think we need to simplify our lives a little bit yeah, that's right <laughs> a little bit too much going i'm juggling a bit of everything um it i think it works in a in a keynote so if we're doing a long keynote it it, it adds for some pretty punchy because we're also parents and and i continue to ski sure. as a blind skier and and so we get to highlight lots of different things and and how we do life together as parents and husband and wife and how I continue to be a psychologist and have a profession. Um, that's changed as well. I had a full-time job, but all of these opportunities really were getting in the way of life. So I took a leave of absence from my job and, and opened a private practice during this all as well. So taking that big leap from yeah, relying on, on a job to actually being my own boss. But back to your question, sorry, this is my brain kind of gets pulled in all directions. <laughs> there is a lot. And it, it, I think what we can do is focus on the target audience. So when we get pulled to speak to a business or a chamber of commerce or a nonprofit, we can kind of target our, our talk to that. Or if we get pulled into a sport or something or, or a disability related we can really target our message to each of those areas, right? right? Even marriage and couples workshops and talks, like there's so many areas that we can go into. And then that the health and fitness, of course, is, is a big part of that. So we, we target and, and aim for what the audience is looking for, what the event organizers are requesting from us. Right. When can we expect the book? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> it takes a long time to write a book. I, <laughs> When we find some time after Tokyo, yeah, really, give him a break, Ryan. After after we win a gold medal in the in the Paralympics, and that'll go. be a, a good highlight for the book. <laughs> and I do want to get to that, um, but before before we we sort of dive into a little bit of talking about what you guys are are sort of working on going forward, I sort of want to go back into the past and talk a little bit about your your vision loss, um, because you know with degenerative eye diseases uh, like RP where you you know you have vision loss over an extended period of time I, I i'm assuming that the sort of the the process the emotional and the the psychological process behind that is is sort of a, a very specific thing um mm. and and a lot of people go through that and a lot of people handle that in a different way in different ways how much of that in your experience kind of informed you and, and sort of built you as a person and, and how did, does that contribute to say your current attitude of such positivity and, and motivation? That is a, and it's a loaded question. I know. Question. And, yeah, and, and, and answer in a hundred words and, or less, please. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it concise. Something that we can tweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I am the man I am today because of my vision and it shaped me in so many ways. It's taught me so many things. And so I'm thankful for the opportunities it's given us and, and the lessons I've learned because of the vision loss, though it would have never been something I would have chosen. Um, yeah, I've gone through these moments. I call it perpetual grief. It's this ongoing loss that you're once able to do something and you have to give that up. So I was once able to play team sports and then I couldn't. I was once able to see the stars and I can't. I was once able to drive. Now I can't. More recently, I was able to go and grocery shop on my own and now that's becoming more difficult navigating um, so each of these stages has been really tough and the last major grief burst I had was when we found out we were pregnant with our first child we were really excited to have a kid but I didn't realize how how much that would impact me and I had this grief burst that I couldn't that I was now going to be a blind dad and I'd never really thought about that before and now I can't be the dad that I kind of always envisioned that I would be, or I'd drive him here and there and go fishing and do these dad things. So it's coming to terms at each stage with, with what my normal is. And I guess my, my coping mechanism had been humor. So I really found a way to, to belong and fit in with humor and coping mechanism that was quite adaptive. 
and the positivity has just helped to, to jump through. My brother was going through the same loss. Uh, he has RP as well and similar vision loss. My mom has it and it comes from my grandpa. But my brother struggled a lot more during his loss than I did. A bit more pessimistic and negative. He's finding his way through. But I think my attitude has been helpful. And then I, where I really got the most motivation from was my grandpa. He was just this amazing man, resilient. He farmed. He went blind at 40 but continued to farm into his 80s. And wow. he built buildings and built the tools to build the buildings. He had bells on all his animals so he could mm. he knew where they were. He put ropes all around his farm so he could know which building he was going to when he put his cane on that rope. And he continued to seed his crops by dragging a big metal boulder, a big rock beside his tractor that the next loop he would go and drive in that rut. He just, wow. he didn't let things stop him. He went horseback riding in the mountains in his 70s and so he was a man, um, when he passed away, people said he was a man who saw with his heart. He couldn't see with his eyes, but he could see with his heart. And that's really something I replicated. Wonderful sense of humor and uh, a man that I try to emulate. Do you sort of pack that in with, with, your, with, your, with your message as well that you try to, try to give to other people? Is that, you know, it's, it's not so much about the vision loss define or or any disability for that matter you know it's not about that letting that define who you are you sort of have the power to define who you are and and you know your your disability is is just really window dressing mm. yeah i think that's woven through um Maybe that's something I need to to make a chapter in my upcoming book. <laughs> uh, you can you can just give me credit in the forward. That'd be, that'd be good. There we go. Yeah, you can write that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that that really yeah, that's the theme. I think the people who, in an early diagnosis, I think there's lots of people who rush towards what's the cure? Is there a cure? Right. There's kind of that push against, but when you're deeper into it, that lead to acceptance. Mm -hmm. If the if you don't have acceptance, you suffer. I think for me, it's just, I've accepted that this is my story. This is a part of who I am. And once I offer that brokenness, that part of myself that I saw is broken, it's actually the part that makes me unique. It's the part that connects me. It's the part that I can share with other people, but it's still only a part. It's, it's not all of me. It's just a part of our story. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think what we're saying is, you know, you, you, you can choose the, the path you're going to take, you know, as, as somebody who's totally blind myself, you know, you're still going to have bad days. You know, yes. I slip on the bottom step and crash into the front door, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever happens, it's going to happen. And, and how you decide to deal with those situations really makes all the difference in how you're going to live your life. You can choose to, you know, sit in your bedroom and, you know, suck your thumb or whatever, mm -hmm. or you can choose to live life to its fullest and, you know, credit to you and, and Julie for, you know, making that move. Yeah. That, that mindset to, to get out and to take adventure and to try new things that that's been so helpful. And, and it really is that we, when we talk to students, it's about the resiliency mindset or the growth mindset that each of these options, each of these struggles, once you find a way through, once you get the support, you can actually be stronger because of them. So go try new things, fail, um, just learn through these processes and you'll become a stronger person yeah. and, and probably have more fun along the way. So we're really excited to, to be able to do all these things, have all these opportunities, but you're right, there are hard days. They're definitely the days that you can't do the things you, you want to do. and. Even on the race, um, I my wife, Julie, we were running to a finish line and we, she said left and I went right. And I ran and smacked <laughs> at a full sprint right into a concrete cement oh, no. uh, It was like this bush. And so yeah, it adds to it. It's a good scene and then got whacked in the head. And, like there's all these moments and we can, we can laugh about it. It was a good, good yeah. time to make a Monty Python quote. And, <laughs> nearly a flesh wound. There's just, <laughs> there's always a way that you can respond. And so part of our talk too, is we go through some of my most embarrassing moments because of my vision and, and can show how you can make light of it. You can, yeah. you can feel absolutely feel the embarrassment, feel the pain, but you don't have to start um, living in the shame cycle or, or, or judgment or, or withdrawing from life. And would, would you say that, that sort of part of that, that, 
attitude as well, or, or say not even that, like sort of part of the secret of really being able to live your life to the fullest is finding that passion. Like for you, you know, you sort of discovered um, the triathlon and, and athleticism. Um, mm -hmm. But for other people, it, it might be something else. Do you, do you sort of feel like that's the key? Like just finding that something that you can do as opposed to, you know, concentrating on what you can't do and mm -hmm. just just embrace that and, and be passionate about that one activity, whether it's a triathlon or if it's, um, I don't know, making necklaces and beading. Um, mm -hmm. do, do you sort of see that as, as being part of that that process? I do, yeah. Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist who went through the Auschwitz and concentration camps, and he he started a theory or a therapy called logotherapy, and it's a meaning therapy. And what he noticed through his work is the people, when you're going through the hardest times, it's those who have a deeper meaning and purpose are the ones who can find a way they make it through. And and I think in my work as a psychologist and my work as a motivational speaker and just how I get through life, it's really finding meaning and purpose what can get you out of bed what can make you and first responders run into fires versus run away from them right? right it's what do we do in life that can make us push through the hard times and and for me it was sport ironically enough i didn't think that was originally it was um, psychology and that and, and before that travel and adventure but it can be music it can be art it could be acting it could be academics it could be so many things so finding something that you can do and you can find passion and flow in, so, so very helpful. Okay, so let's talk about what you're up to these days. Um, I understand that you are trying to get into the Paralympics. Uh, yes. doing, doing what? I race tandem bicycles. So I, I, in blind cycling or visually impaired cycling, you have a tandem bike and a pilot, able-bodied pilots on the front. Right. It works better that way. <laughs> so he steers, he does the gears, and we're, we're a true team. He can pedal as well. So I have a, a the national time trial champion for 2018 and the Alberta road provincial champion. He's my pilot. So we go off and compete. Next week we're competing at road nationals in Quebec. And then we do World Cup in Emmond, Netherlands. Wow. And each of these big races on the World Cup will then get us points to get us closer to the Paralympic selection. So the goal is to be the best tandem team in Canada and then have the amount of points we need to be selected to represent Canada at those Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games. Where do you find all the time to do that? I can't even find the time to finish <laughs> watching Daredevil Season 2. <laughs> That's I haven't watched TV in a long time. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> um, now, how long are, are these races? Are they are they long distance races or are they are they shorter sprints? I, I race in two styles. So there's track racing, which is an indoor velodrome right. where a tandem bike. If you don't go fast enough, you fall off the course and you get up to speeds of 60 uh. kilometers an hour flying around these steep angled corners. No brakes, no gears, and you can never stop pedaling. And those races are one kilometer and four kilometer. Okay. So short and right. fast. And then the second style is road racing. Right. And we do time trial and road race. The time trial is typically between 20 and 30 kilometers. And that is all about you and the clock being as fast as you can go. And then we do road racing as well. And that's usually between 80 and 180 kilometers. And that would be in the whole big group. Now, now training for each of those must be very different, uh, I would assume. Um, what's how, like, how do you sort of train for each, each of those events differently? I have a coach, so it's up to him to tell me what to do. Got it. It's there are specific. So we need base fitness. And then for the short distance, it's a lot more high intensity, all out power and very technical so it's getting on the track going to training camps which is hard the closest track there's one out in burnaby so we go practice out there um it's really short and really steep and bumpy but it's pretty fun it's like riding a roller coaster and then there's the the national team one in milton ontario which is a world class and world championships are going to be there next year and we head out there as well so lots of track practice and lots of short intense bursts of right. high power and then road racing, it's lots of long distance, lots of 
um, training and racing and, and making sure our health is good to be able to do those long efforts. And so for an example, I, I'm usually biking one hour to four hours every day. Mm. Yeah, that was going to be my next question was, you know, what, what is the training regimen like? So, so basically on a bike for, for up to four hours a day. Yeah. And the technology is really cool. Cause I, I can't just go out and ride. Mm-hmm. It's not safe. So I have a setup in the garage and I can ride you around, have a, a trainer with my bike on it. And the trainer is all connected to the internet and has power. So it tells me exactly how much my wattage is and my coach can program in what the exercise is, how many Watts I need to be putting out, what the training and total stress will be. And as I'm racing, I can be racing people from all over the world. Oh, wow. Two to 3000 people out there. I mean, up to 5,000 I've raced with from all over the world um, in a video game called Zwift. And as if the hill, if you're going up a hill, then it changes the resistance on the trainer and it can show me all of my data and I have a really, I have a big screen TV in front of me. And with my tunnel vision, I can still see enough to, to play that game. Hmm. And then when I'm on the bike, I have power pedals that tell me my power, my cadence and heart rate strap. And that connects to a device that I wear on my ear that will read out all the data. So as I'm racing, it will tell me my heart rate, my power and my speed. Cool. So it's, it's pretty neat. Uh, now, and then how does the, the, how does the process work? I, 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 if I remember correctly, there's, there's trials, right? Uh, when, when are the trials? Uh, so each race that we do, we, it's always proving yourself. So we've, we had to prove ourselves last year to get on to the next gen development program, which we did. Okay. And we got onto that. So this year we got into that program and we needed to prove ourselves, which we have. And we got to the next level, which is being selected to a World Cup. And now, as a development team, the next stage is to get a result, which would be top 10 in the world, or hit a development standard, which is a certain speed. If we hit the A development standard, we will then be selected onto the high performance team. And then we'll continue to collect points. And if we have enough points and we have enough ranking, then we will be selected as the the Paralympic team. So it will go on right until months before the the games. Right? Oh, I see. Okay. No, I was just thinking, you know, if you're on a bike one to four hours a day and you're out here filming season two of the TV show and you got two kids you're raising, and <laughs> I just don't know. There's 24 hours in a day, but in your world, there's got to be more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How did you get a 36-hour day? <laughs> Yeah, they, I, with every bit of vision I lost, I gained a, an hour. An hour <laughs> oh, you forgot yeah, with, his own practice. Every, when people always say, like, when you lose a sense, you lose your vision, you gain something else. So I say, yeah, I gained, I gained time. Gained time. And, <laughs> or, or it was actually my sense of humor that I got more of. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, tell us a little bit about the website, livewithheart.ca. Uh, what do you guys do there? And... Um, and, uh, and how does it sort of all tie together? Yeah, well, that's a work in prod. It's a, a work in process. We're trying to figure out how to bring this all together because it is a lot of different things. So it's the motivational speaking hub. So livewithheart.ca slash speaking is where people can book us to come to speak at their events. And we're going to, we're, we're building currently some, some videos and some more promo for that right. and working on getting agents. And then we also have, the racing information there. And so that will be the update on our racing progress, our racing schedule. And then connected to that, there's also sponsorship opportunities. This is all self-funded and it's costing a lot with our bikes are very expensive and all the gear and all the travel is something we're covering at this point. So it's, it's costing us a lot, which is why we're speaking to raise money for that as well as selling clothes. So on our website, livewithheart.ca, we are selling live with heart gear and that is tandem bicycles that says live with heart and inside the bicycle frame there's a vector heart um, that just kind of represents our life of everything we're doing trying to share our hearts with others and see other people for their hearts and kind of live with passion so those that gear is all available on our website um, to help raise money for the dream as well and then i haven't added it yet but we're going to add on the tv section as well so the the mindset go and the amazing race section um, is to be added. Just kind of highlight a bit more of the story. Yeah, come on, Lowell, get on that. Come on, <laughs> what are you waiting for? <laughs> it's not like you don't have the time. 
Yeah, my first degree was new media, so it, that was a, was a blind graphic artist for a while, and oh my god, part of what I my my quarter life crisis is I didn't have the career counselor. I guess it said you probably shouldn't be a visual artist, um, which I think you still can, but it was it was becoming increasingly challenging. So that's when I switched over to psychology. I jumped careers. So I still do a lot of our our video and our website, and my wife and I do our photography. So it's another part of our passion and excitement but it just takes time which you don't have a lot of right now sure well rob you can edit my my part of this out but i was going to say we got to stop having these these guests on our podcast because they're all making us look really bad yeah i know i'm <laughs> bummed out now i'm just like i was gonna go ride the bike down to my gym this morning and i was like nah you know what i'm just gonna eat a bagel and dream jesus instead. <laughs> Life is about celebration, not deprivation. <laughs> there you go. That's my new mantra. <laughs> That's right. Where's the pizza? Double cheese. That's right. <laughs> but every choice has a cost. <laughs> oh, oh no, damn. you just blew you it again, Lowell. Thanks a lot, Lowell. <laughs> yeah, I had this for a minute. Now we're back on the bike. <laughs> yeah. What's the least amount of pizza you can eat to still be happy? And what's the most amount of physical activity you can have and still be happy? That's There's, there's yeah. a quotient oh, for health. The, the balancing act. Yeah. Screw it, I'll just eat the pizza on the bike. <laughs> and then I can eat as much as I want. Uh, okay, so, Lowell, can you tell us a little bit about the, the AMI show that you guys are, are working on? Yeah, we've been super happy to be asked to be part of Mindset Go, which is a TV show that AMI is hosting. It aired already, and the reruns are showing, so you can go on to AMI and watch for the next episodes. Or you can go online, and the new accessible app from AMI is quite awesome as well. And so all of the episodes are available in the accessible AMI app on the any of the app stores. I believe it might just be Apple. I should check on that. I think, I yeah, I think they're just iOS well? right now. I don't think they're on Android yet. There's been a, a bit of a kerfuffle about that. So I think it's just iOS right now. Yeah, so Apple TV, <laughs> iPad, and iPhone, right. um, the app is there and works quite slick. Or on the AMI website. And so they do have it um, ready for, for viewing there. So Mindset Go season one, and stay tuned for Mindset Go season two, which we're currently filming. Now, now, what, now what kind of stuff do you, do you guys do on the show? Yeah, so the, the show, we are, my wife, Julie and I are health and fitness coaches on the show. I'm a behavioral health consultant and we meet the individuals in their struggle. It's a three-month journey for them to find health and well-being to set them up for, for a long-term success. So not this kind of quick, just see how much they can lose, but how can we get them active again and, and get life moving? So we meet them, we kind of set up a plan, um, get them set up with some supports, and they go off on their journey. We check in with them midway, and then at the end, we celebrate with them by doing a big activity like a bike ride or a run or rock climbing or kayaking or paddleboarding. Um, all sorts of things. So we, we celebrate the success with them. And in the middle of there, there's also Paralympians that come alongside and encourage them. Wow. So we highlight the individual story that the episode's about, as well as our story and the Paralympian. Hey, where do we, where do we, uh, where do we apply? You, you got some, you got some perfect uh, contestants here. Yeah, sure. check out. We have to be fun. Am I um, is is the network, but the production companies and made productions out of Vancouver. And if if enough people watch season two, I'm guessing season three will be in the books, and and then watch for applications. There you go, Ryan. I'm signing us up. You got to stop doing that. Signing <laughs> signing us up for walks and, and rides sign, and. Oh, you sign you up for an amazing race. Yeah, there you go. Oh. That I would, would kill I, me. I wonder if there's such a thing as instant elimination. <laughs> it's like, sorry, you haven't got out of the hotel room yet, but you're eliminated. <laughs> I have to start small, Lowell. My, my goal since moving to the lower mainland here is actually my goal this year is to do a climb we call the Coquitlam Crunch. Oh, nice. So nice. I think it's like 500 stairs. I forget what the elevation is. But at some point in the next year, I'm hoping to do the gross grind. That's my goal. Awesome. That's that's a great goal. One of the participants, that's their goal. So I'll be climbing that in August for oh, the nice. first time. Good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty brutal. We have Mother a, Nature's stair climbers. That's that I right. Hear. Yeah. Yeah, we have a we have a group here called Blind Beginnings. That's a that's a, a nonprofit uh, organization that that uh, works with uh, 
with visually impaired youth and and they last year they or i think it was last year mm-hmm. they actually took a group uh, of uh blind of youth and blind youth up, up the gross visit. grind right out and ami had that on there that's, that's right yeah they, they did a documentary yeah it's a great documentary that's a great one that's i watched that on on ami as well so that's a good for anybody who hasn't seen that one climb the grind blind something yeah that's right so yeah if people are interested and they want to follow along on our journey we are on all the social media at julie lowell can it's a j-u-l-i-e-l-o-w-e-l-l-c-a-n and we're on instagram facebook um, twitter and so come follow along on the journey and see what epic things will will come our way and of course, the website is, is livewithheart.ca. Um, we'll uh, we'll include links to, to everything in the show notes for people. Well, so let's talk a little bit about um, assistive technology specifically, and and because I'm curious to know what you kind of use on a daily basis, and and what uh, historically you you've used. Yeah, and the assistive technology is something I'm really interested in, and I'm on that cusp because I still have my good central reading, so. I haven't had to depend on it a lot, but as my vision is getting worse, I'm having to, to practice and learn and, and try new things. And I mean, voice has just been huge. So using voice dictation and um, I am, I know it's sorry to say, but I'm an Apple guy. So uh, I have kind of, I have a deep relationship with Siri and we, we talk a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so having the ability for our devices to speak to us. I remember my mm-hmm. grandpa's old talking clock, which was so amazing <laughs> back when I was a kid. Um, the power we have um, already with the technology that certainly isn't perfect, but man, it's it's a huge blessing to have personal assistance and, and all that audio to us. I don't read anymore, so having audiobooks and podcasts has been huge. That's right. That's been something I can do while I'm training i listen to a lot of podcasts a lot of audiobooks while i'm writing and then even last night it was a new new adventure i I left work late and i'd missed the bus and it was dark and i didn't have my cane (laughs) um wasn't really prepared and so i'm trying to make it home it's a 30 minute walk home in the dark and i have the new iphone 7 plus and i've never done it before i just turned on the the video app up the contrast, up to the brightness, and oh, I could wow. see amazingly well. And I just stared at my phone as I walked home, and I could see like it was daylight. Oh. That's the first time I've done that, and it was a kind of a new, new aha moment that I actually could see in the dark. Yeah, I mean, it really is, and we've been saying this for a while on the podcast. It really is a little bit of a renaissance in terms of assistive technology right now. Um, very exciting, um, and and a lot of that has to do with. Um, you know, all these, all these, you know, mainstream companies um, really bringing accessibility to the forefront, like, like Apple, um, you know, Microsoft is making some really big mm-hmm. um, moves in that regard as well. Um, you know, and, and even Google, um, you know, more so, and, and it's becoming more of a conversation uh, than it used to be. I mean, it used to be assistive technology was a very, it was a very small niche market and it was very much viewed as sort of an add on. Um, you know, if you had a phone, well, you could get, you could buy, a, you know, a big software package that could kind of make that phone accessible, but not really. And, you know, there's all these limitations. And now that all these devices are, you know, having all these features baked right into the, these mainstream devices, it's just a game changer right now. Yeah, it's huge. Working with the assistive technology in the school one of the ladies who's kind of connected with us and we're helping to mentor some students in town, they're helping children learn how to use apps and use the iPads and and the technology. And there's some pretty amazing things these kids are able to do with Mm -hmm. this technology. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and I mean, the exciting part about it is that like they can, they can just use it right out of the box, you know, all all that accessibility, it's just an accessible device right from the get go, as as opposed to, you know, having to buy something or having to adapt the device. So, you know, I, I think, I think that has a huge part of it and, you know, and, and it's, and it's funny how, like even, even the digital assistants, um, you know, they're, they certainly have tons of, of mainstream applications. I mean, I, I love my Google home. Um, but for somebody who's visually impaired, it brings a whole another layer of, of usability and functionality that, um, 
you know, is just sort of icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they're going to be increasingly more important for those of us with visual impairments to have to have in our home. My, we got one for my mom for Christmas and she's able to use it for things. And we, I'm yet to jump on that game. I don't know why. I, I guess I just use my phone so much. I haven't used a, a standalone, but I'll have to jump into that one soon. I just can't decide which one, Amazon. <laughs> that, yeah. Or yeah, there, there's good options out there. Yeah, and it's really one of those things where it depends on what ecosystem you're in. You know, I have a Google Home Mini and I have an Amazon Echo and I have an Android phone. And I'm just, you know, I haven't decided which pool I'm going to jump into yet. You know, a lot of people like yourself who are in the Apple camp, you know, at some point, you know, may want to just go with HomePod because I you know, have a feeling that Apple's probably going to keep pushing that. At some point, they may include, you know, the Google Assistant or, you know, the Amazon Assistant. But, you know, the Apple stuff, when it works, I hear it works really well. So um, we have choice, and, and the more choice, the better. Yeah, I think that's a great problem to have, that we yeah. actually yeah. have choices for these amazing technologies that can help us in so many ways. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, you know, in terms of and visual impairments, too, um, you know, there's there's some amazing mobility solutions that are you know have been developed and are still being developed that that could really change the game in terms of you know uh, somebody who's visually impaired getting around you know from from ira to you know blind square to mm. you know beacon technology um you know there's so much that we are able to do now that we have these little powerful computers that can just sit in our pocket and do almost every anything um, so it's, it's, it's really an exciting time. So it makes lots to talk about, Just do a podcast about it. <laughs> That's a good idea. Uh, we would, but we're, we're too lazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, uh, yeah, great. Thank you. It's, it's fun to, to banter about tech and, and life and. I saw what you did there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's, it was awesome talking to you, Lowell. Um, thanks so much for, for taking time out of your day. Cause really I, we can see now that an hour out of your day, that's, <laughs> that's pretty, a big deal. Absolutely. So we really appreciate you, you coming on and talking with us and, and yeah, you know what? Hey, who knows? Maybe, uh, we'll, we'll link up, uh, when you're, when you're in town next summer or in the summer, um, uh, shooting. That'd be fun. Be fun to banter in person yeah that'd be great thanks thanks for your time and keep doing the great work thanks lowell great. so much thank you lowell okay you take care all right cheers bye all right. Bye. oh my god we're such slubs oh absolutely holy you know, shit for you know and it's it's interesting because wow. before i lost my sight i was active i was you know i lived in whistler i mountain biked i hiked i skied i did snowboarded and even as a child i was involved in sports and stuff like that and after I lost my sight, there was really not a lot of talk of sport and getting involved in sport. And maybe because I lived in, you know, the interior of, of BC, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. If I had been down here in the Lower Mainland and had access to BC Blind Sports on a regular basis, you know, I probably would have got plugged into that whole community again. But it's, you know... It's like we said earlier, you know, you got to find your passion, right? And so without having the sport, for me, you know, the passion became music and home theater. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, you, you got to find something that is going to, like like Lowell said, allow you to, you know, m make you get up in the morning and, you know, put one foot in, fr in front of the other and get on with your day. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that, that's the key. I mean, you know, it, for, for him, it, you know, it was athletics. It was, it was triathlon. Um, but for somebody else, it, you know, it really can be anything. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it doesn't doesn't necessarily like, you know, I've never been, a you know, never been into big into athletics. So, you know, and, and to realize that, I mean, it mm -hmm. you know, doesn't mean you have to you go run a triathlon. But you know what? Everybody has a passion. Everybody has an interest. There's something out there that that you enjoy to do. And it, it's just a case of uh, of finding that and and just doing it. And, you know. You know, I listen to that and go, oh, God, like, I mean, how many degrees does he have? 
Oh, I know. And, and you know, you and look at our past shows and, and stuff, and you know, yeah, you know, like I said earlier, we got to stop getting these kind of guests on our show <laughs> yeah, because right. they really make us take a look at ourselves uh, and go, "Wow, I think I should go for a walk tonight." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the very least, should go for a walk, get another degree, have some more vegetables. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's yeah. it's really encouraging to see, and and that's, you know, that's where and how our podcast has evolved from not just assistive technology, we are more human interest stories and in how people are overcoming their challenges, if you want to call them challenges. You know, what drives you to succeed? And that's what I love about our podcast now. Yeah, you know what? I wouldn't even I wouldn't even call it a drive to succeed because I feel like even that puts up expectations. Sure. You know, it's just it's just a drive, just a passion, just yep. finding one thing. And you know, and you don't you know, we all can't be lol. Um nope. you know, you we you know, it's certainly an incredible story that he has. Um, and, you know, he's obviously, you know, a really driven, you know, incredible guy. But, you know, we you, if, you, if you're out there and you're listening to this and, you know, you, you maybe are like, you know, I, I, I can't do all of that. That's okay. You don't need to do all of that. All you just, just pick one thing. Um, that's all you really need and, and, and build from there if you want to, or just find one thing. The, the key to it is, is that, um, well, listen to us, eh? Like find what makes Mr. you happy. He's turned us into motivational speakers. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> He's a just, psychologist. Before the mic, before the mics came on, you were just like, you're so positive. You're so, <laughs> so and now I look sp- at you and now you're Mr. Pollyanna, <laughs> Mr. Sunshine and Lollipops. Unicorns. We should have Lowell on more often. Yeah. Should he's already motivated us. See, there you go, people. If Lowell can motivate us to grumpy old bastards, he can do anything. So go to the website and book him for your event. Absolutely. Uh no, but that was great. That was that was so fun. I'm gonna have to start watching this amazing race show. It sounds interesting. Yeah, the new season. There's been ads for the new season upcoming, so in the next probably three weeks to a month it's going to start airing on ctv yeah yeah mm. interesting yeah it's it's really good it's good you can actually probably go back and watch previous seasons oh of course i can i i have You've ways got the technology i've got the ways <laughs> yeah it's good and they've had paralympians or not paralympians they've probably had paralympians on but they'd ha- they've had regular olympians on the show just regular olympians <laughs> just regular just olympians. regular old yeah, olympians just olympians you know they're not Paralympians. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned, season one, Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod from Body Break, uh-huh. which we all kind of grew up with. I don't know. I don't know you know. Uh, Google them, you'd know. Okay. Oh, wait, are those are Body Break? Are those the things on Saturday mornings that you Yeah, said, the fitness uh, guy. Oh, yeah. sure. Okay, right. I remember those. <laughs> yeah. I was, <laughs> that's when I would go stuff my face full of Lucky Charms when they came on. <laughs> so I might, I might not recognize them. <laughs> <laughs> it's the boring fitness guy. That's right. <laughs> he wants me to do sit-ups. <laughs> Forget it. Oh, back into the abyss with us. <laughs> <laughs> Can't stay up all day. That's right. Uh, all right. All right. That's enough. Uh, hey, Ryan. Yes, sir. Uh, where can people find us? As usual, atbanter.com. You can also drop us an email, atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook at AT Banter, all one word, and on Twitter, AT underscore banter. And on all your other methods of listening, whether it's digital assistance, tune in radio, Spotify, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We should be everywhere. We are everywhere. Hopefully. Uh, Canadian assistive technology. Let's talk about that for a second, Ryan. Again? All right. Let's do it. Uh, where can people find Canadian assistive technology on the old internet? Well, they can be found at W. They can be found. <laughs> yeah. They can be found. Don't find us, please. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, don't tell people where we can be found. <laughs> they are located at www.canastech.com. That is C A N. A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. They can also find Chaos Technical Services, which is a wonderful assistive technology servicing company 
that uh, will fix any of your assistive technology if it's broken. Uh, you can find Mr. Rick Chant there at www.chaostechnicalservices.com. And uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. That was our passion. Um, one more podcast in the can, Ryan. Yep. You betcha. We're at, I don't know what we're at now. Triple digits anyway. That's right. Woo-hoo. Suck that, Lowell. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done over 100 podcasts? <laughs> I think not. <laughs> See, you got to find your passion. That's right. <laughs> if you find your passion, you will succeed. That's right. We're going to raise ourselves up by lowering somebody else. <laughs> it's the age-old <laughs> technique. Just kidding. Uh, the AT banter bullies. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm exhausted. Let's go. I need a nap. All righty. All right. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening in. Uh, We'll see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.